Hi, welcome to uh, Scott Menez podcast, episode four. And we've got a very special guest today, Alan Richard, PhD in religious studies and public intellectual. And he is collaborating with our very own Menaza Fridi on a archive that's going to benefit Manhattan College eventually. And um, the lead up to this archive is a fascinating discussion, and they're really going to lay it out for you here. Thank you, Scott. Um, really happy to have Alan Richard here, um, old colleague of mine and friend for many years. And um, Alan and I have been working for a few summers together at Manhattan College. And one of the main projects we've been doing, such from others, is putting together the Herman and Leah Ziering project um, archive, which is an archive of a Holocaust, well, two Holocaust survivors, um, and Herman was a very special survivor because he also was a new uh, Nazi hunter. And um, so I, I like to ask, you know, I like Alan to say a few, few words about himself and ask him some questions about um, how he feels about a Zeering archive. Alan. Yes. Hello, Mona. <laughs> Hi, Alan. <laughs> Mehnaz. Would you like to say a few words about the archive? <laughs> well, I think um, I think the the part of the reason that the archive is being named after Herman and Leah Ziering um, is uh, it's partly because a lot of documentation that. Herman Ziering had saved over the years from World War II and thereafter from his career identifying and exposing mm -hmm. uh, Nazis who had found safe haven, former Nazis who had found safe haven in the United States. Um, it will represent initially the bulk of the documentation and artifacts in the archive. But the other reason I think is that uh, just his exceptional life. Uh, his, his um, not just the traumatic events that happened to him, which were just horrible in World War II, which he told the story of um, several times, and um, once to Cloud Lounsman, um, and uh, also uh, in recordings that he made for uh, a memoir that was never published. And he told the story numerous times uh, uh, while he was alive at schools, at, at, uh, for community groups. But also, he was someone who, this traumatic memory, a lot of the way people deal with traumatic memories is to push them off, not to talk about them, to put them away somewhere, thinking that somehow that they just don't want to think about it. And he was the opposite, almost. He was the opposite. And he also was somebody who went back yeah. and visited the concentration camp. He's somebody who put on his concentration suit, took a picture at the end of his life to 
towards the end of his life. Um, I, I, I guess, Alan, for me, it's important as a Muslim woman to archive this. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I'm, as, as someone who's uh, uh, also from a different religious background than, than Herman Zering is, um, you know, I was raised Protestant in the middle of, of waspy America, I mean, in the middle of the Midwest. But his story of, of what he went through and how he dealt with what he went through, again, is so fascinating for me. Um, because it, it, it's not necessarily, I don't really like the language of resilience, but the, the way to deal with memories that are intrusive or painful, um, the way he dealt with them in a way that wasn't about avoidance, but was about facing up to them, trying to understand them. Although, in the end, you know, I mean, Herman wouldn't lie about it. He didn't try to draw some larger meaning or purpose out of what had happened to him. He was, um, he was as puzzled by it toward the end of his life as, as he ever had been. He, was, he, had, he didn't pretend to have answers. Well, I mean, I, I think one of the things that intrigues me about Herman is, you know, I teach the Holocaust, I live in it in some ways, um, not completely because I have to teach Islam as well, but I think I, I wanted to build this archive at a Catholic college um, to make people understand that the stereotypical vision that they have of Holocaust survivors is victimhood. And I wouldn't have changed that. Yeah, and, and this, was, this was definitely not his, not his approach. Yeah, right? he was not a victim. And in the sense of post-Holocaust, um, and even during the Holocaust, when we know about his story, and his brother, um, they are not sitting around. Oh no, no! Waiting for something to happen, but they're proactive. And I think Her Herman tried to do anything he could to yeah. sabotage yeah. The, 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 yeah. the Nazis, even while he was. Right. You know, he was in a situation where a lot of people would say, "Well, you're helpless," but he he was he was doing everything that he could. Right. And I think I think that to me is really important because I'm always trying to reconstruct different narratives of the Holocaust, whether it's my work, which is the Muslim and Muslims and Holocaust and rescue stories, or um, you know, victims of the Holocaust that are really facing their reality, and also after the Holocaust. You know, trying to deal with justice, and yeah. I think that's really important for students and the archive, and that's what we're building. Yeah, and he was, and and, and you know, he, he acknowledged, of course, there 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 were victims who really were victims, and and they're not alive. They weren't alive to talk about it, and his everything he did after his survival was 
had to do with his sense that my being alive and someone else being dead, those aren't disconnected things. Those are entirely connected things. That, as Levinas would say, you know, <laughs> my very existence is taking someone else's place in the sun. Mm -hmm. And he was able to operate on that, and yet, according to his children, he was not a morose individual. No, he was always joking and um, fun-loving and yeah. happy and yeah. teasing the kids. Yeah. I remember Debbie, his daughter, saying that, that uh, he would work these long hours and he would come home and it would be late at night and they'd be in bed and he would get them up just to play with them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, she said he was... He always had this child in him, maybe because he was never, able, he was not able to be a child as a child. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was trying to survive throughout his childhood. And she said, you know, with his grandkids, it was the same way. I mean, he was very playful. Really got along with kids. And um, uh, I mean, this is not people's stereotype of a Holocaust survivor. No. And and yet he was in people's face about it all the time. He would not let people forget. Um, so all of these things about him really fascinate me, um, and I think that's what kind of what drew me into that whole work. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're working on it with me, Alan, and um, hopefully we'll have it done in the fall at Manhattan College. And I, 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 and I think it's really important that a Catholic college is letting a Muslim woman, you know, archive a Holocaust survivor's uh, project because I don't think it's ever been done. Yeah, no, I'm, it, 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 I've tried to find other examples of it, and I, you really can't. I and mean, I, th just, I think for me as a Muslim, it's about the idea of humanity and what people can do at a time of complete struggle and challenge. And I think um, Harmon is a great example for me as a Muslim. It doesn't matter if I'm Muslim, Jewish, Christian, atheist, etc., Hindu, Buddhist. But I think the whole mission of the center is about this. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's exactly where I feel like I connect with him, too, where I, 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 I feel like I'm, I'm, that's what drew me in. Um, in a way, I, you know, I would say he's, he's in Christian terms. I mean, I would use the term saint. Of course, he would reject that. <laughs> um, because he, he always did say, you know, in terms of his survival, um, yeah, he did a lot of, I mean, he went out of his way to make sure not only that he survived, but that his brother survived and that his mother survived. Um, but he does not attribute his survival to any of those things. He says, you know, so much of it was chance that, you know, I, I can't say that, you know, I can, this, is, this is why the term resilience is something that you, you would have to reject. And yet, and yet, not everyone after the war had the same response to what happened to them as, as what Herman did. Mm. I mean, and, and, and that's what's inspirational about it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I admire Herman in so many ways. Um, not just the fact that he went after Nazis and, uh, you know, flew out to Brazil and countries to find Mengles teeth, but I really, really admired the fact that he 
had demonstrations uh, locally, got his kids involved. Um, he did, you know, all kinds of things in Israel. He was pivotal in the Jewish Congress. He was pivotal with ADL. His friend was Abe Foxman. I mean, he just really didn't lose the fight, and he was supporting a whole family. Well, he got he he, he got Elliot Elliot Wells the the position yeah. Um, yeah. of being the war crimes investigator for the ADL. Um, <clears throat> and at the time that he got Elliot Wells that position, Elliot Wells was a waiter <laughs> at a German restaurant. Um, but he was also a, a real a real uh, investigator. I mean, yeah. he really he, he used that position at that German restaurant mm -hmm. to track down former Nazis, and he was doing it without being paid, without having any official position or title. And um, you know, Herman went to the ADL and and told them you should have first of all you should have a war crimes uh, position here, and secondly you should have Elliot do it. <laughs> So that, I mean, that was one of many things. And then he, he's also responsible for the fact that there is any historical investigation, any serious historical investigation at all of what happened in the Riga ghetto. I mean, you have to attribute that to him because they went through three different historians trying to write that up. Yeah, and he was upset with the inaccurate historians, and I think I respect that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that people don't think about the Riga, Riga ghetto because they're so focused on Warsaw ghetto and they're focused on you know the big Polish ghettos but nobody really talks about the Riga ghetto no no and, and, the, and you know of course people are focused on the death camps yeah. for good reason but and the Riga ghetto wasn't officially a death camp right so anyway Alan um, let's just you know say a couple of things about Herman Zering, if you can. Well, about Herman, um, just th this was a man who never stopped. He was unstoppable. He, um, uh, he didn't do one thing. He did many things. But all of those things after, after the war um, that he did had to do with preserving the memory of what happened in order that it wouldn't happen again. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alan. This has been the uh, Scott Manos Podcast, Episode 4. Much thanks to Alan Richard for his perspective on the new archive at Manhattan College. <laughs>